Welcome to All Caring Conversations. Your health and wellness matters. I'm your host, Tracy Dawn Brewer. I'm so happy to bring Dr. Edmund Wimslow to you today. Dr. Wimslow is AltCare's new Chief Medical Director. His insight and professional approach to adult immunizations is the perfect reminder for all of us to foster a relationship with a trusted physician. I hope you are reminded to have this conversation with your primary care physician, also known as your PCP. Welcome to a new episode of Alt Caring Conversations. Today we have Dr. Edmund Winslow, Alt Care's new Chief Medical Director, with us. Dr. Winslow, please share a little bit about your journey with Alt Care and also as a physician. Well, from a physician standpoint, I've been in practice for it'll be 31 years um, this July um, at the same practice. So I'm in a, in a group family practice. Um, locally. Then from an all-care standpoint, I started 11 years ago as the medical director for population health. And along the way, uh, quality got added into that. So the two kind of seemed to go together fairly well. Um, And that is uh, where I am today. Um, Although recently adding some new duties. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and congratulations again on being appointed our uh, new chief medical director. We're really excited to have you in that position. And Thank I you. have been <laughs> I have been fortunate enough to hear you speak many times on many occasions at our forums and your heart for our community's wellness is so evident. And I just really appreciate that you're taking the time today to share your knowledge with everyone listening. Oh, it's my pleasure. And adult immunizations are worth an episode on their own. That's what brings us to our discussion today. So how do you approach the subject of staying up to date on vaccinations with your patient? Um, There's a number of different places that you can get information as far as what's currently recommended with immunizations. And it is important to stay up to date because it's it's a changing field. What we did even a year ago is different than what we're doing currently on some immunizations. So the three main sources that I use are certainly the CDC has a a very good website that you can go to for information, and they will send out email updates um, regarding immunizations. There's the ACIP, uh, which is another group that makes recommendations, which is the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. And then the other one that I use is the United States Preventive Services Task Force um, will also have uh, guidelines and recommendations regarding different immunization practices. Oh, thank you for those links. I'll be sure to add those to our show notes so everyone can easily access those websites. And I know in preparing for today's podcast, you shared with me that, you know, It's always great to follow your doctor's advice and get vaccinated, but that brings an excellent point of building a great relationship with a physician. And I'd like to know from your viewpoint, do you have any tips for our listeners on how you can do that from a physician's perspective? What do you want in a good patient to physician relationship? You know, I think that, that ultimately what we want is an open, honest relationship where you have shared values and goals. 
um, it's important for me to know what's important to a patient. So when you're looking at um, different patients, they may have different goals in mind, and we need to try to tailor our care to to help fulfill and to meet those goals. So I would say that everybody needs either a primary care physician or nurse practitioner or physician assistant to be your trusted advisor and your health advocate. Because without that, it's very difficult for you to get accurate information to make the right decisions that you need to maximize your health. The other thing that I would say is, is from a patient standpoint, I would want the patient to be proactive in terms of immunizations, meaning when you go to your doctor's visit, unless it's for an emergency, you know, certainly if you're going in with acute appendicitis or some other emergent issue, immunizations may not be a part of that, but nor should they be only a part of a visit once a year or when you happen to get in to see your physician. Be proactive when you go and ask the physician, am I up to date with all of the immunizations that I should have? And if not, can we go ahead and do those while I'm here today? Um, because we as physicians don't always think about it. You know, we may have a number of other things that we're, that we're talking to the patient about. Patient leaves, and then we may not see them again for another year. And we've missed an opportunity that we could have to, to take care of the patient in terms of immunizations. So from a patient standpoint, we welcome those questions. Um, ask us, am I doing everything I need to do in terms of immunizations to try to stay out of trouble? Yeah, that's such a great point. I never even thought about it that way. So I, I love that you mentioned to look at it from that viewpoint. When we're talking about vaccinations in adulthood, I know we're always looking at them, you know, through childhood. Why are they so important in adulthood? Vaccines certainly are one of the biggest ways that we can stay healthy. They they help keep us out of trouble. And it's important to realize vaccines don't always prevent an illness. But when they don't, they certainly work to minimize the impact of the illness to us. So you always see people that say, well, gosh. I got my flu shot and then I still got flu. So the vaccine didn't really do anything. And I say, you did, but you didn't end up hospitalized with it or you didn't end up dying from the illness. So the outcomes tend to be much better, even if you still get the disease, if you're vaccinated. The other thing to keep in mind is you don't just vaccinate for yourself. You vaccinate for those around you. So if you are protected, you are not likely to spread an illness to somebody else that you may come into contact with. So it's kind of something that you do for yourself, you do for those around you, and you do for the community. And I know we heard that many times in the last couple of years, but it's worth mentioning that that applies to all vaccinations. So that's a great point to make. I'm glad you mentioned it. Can you share some of the vaccinations that are recommended for adults? Um, yeah. And what I'm going to do is I'll give you the recommendations for the general population. So keep in mind, if you have certain high risk conditions or if you're immunosuppressed, if you have chronic diseases uh, like diabetes or liver disease or lung disease, these vaccination recommendations may be a little bit different for you because of your special circumstances. So it's always important to talk to your physician who knows you best or your nurse practitioner or your physician's assistant and say, what are the appropriate vaccinations for me 
based on my age and my medical conditions. So kind of just running down the, the typical list, certainly the flu shot is one that we're all familiar with. Um, it's an annual vaccine. Typically, we give it anywhere between August and March, and the CDC asks that everybody get that immunization by October 31st. So that's kind of a goal. You know, one of the concerns that always comes up with it is, what if I have an egg allergy? You know, should I still go ahead and get that vaccine? And the recommendation says that as long as that egg allergy is no worse than hives, so if it's a skin reaction, swelling hives, that sort of thing, you're still fine to go ahead and get the flu shot. If it's more of a systemic reaction where you have trouble swallowing, shortness of breath, something like that, then you wouldn't want to do it. But the, the guideline also says if you can eat an egg, you can go ahead and get that vaccine. It's not a problem. Um, you should not get it if you've had a prior severe allergic reaction to the flu shot, and you should not get it if you've had Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a neurologic disorder where you lose control of muscle within six weeks after a, a prior flu shot. But other than that, pretty much everybody more than six months old is fair game for that. Another big one is the pneumonia vaccine. Now this has undergone some changes recently. Um, actually a number of changes recently used to be that there was just one pneumonia vaccine that you got routinely at age 65, then you were done. Then things changed a little bit and there was a vaccine called Prevnar that was recommended that you got first, it was Prevnar 13. And then a year later you would get the, the Pneumovax 23. Now there's a new pneumonia vaccine called Vax Nuvance 15. And there's another one where the Prevnar 13 became Prevnar 20. So now the recommendation says at 65, if you have not been previously immunized, get the, the Vax Nuvance 15 followed a, a year later by Pneumovax 23, or you can just do the Prevnar 20. So talk to your doctor about what, what you want to do. Um, but there's some, there's some options for this now that we're not there even, you know, I think the change in this was made last July. So even a year ago, we didn't right. have these two new uh, vaccines that we have now. Um, and, and it's kind of changed somewhat. The shingles vaccine is certainly important. Shingles is miserable and that misery can go on for years. If you don't get a shingles vaccine, you have a one in three chance of getting shingles at some point in your life. And shingles is reactivation of chickenpox from when you were little. Now, whether or not you remember having had chickenpox when you were little, odds are you have. There's about a 99.5% chance that you did. And if you were very, very young when you got it, you may have had very few, if any, symptoms with it, other than perhaps a mild upper respiratory thing that no one knew really was, was chickenpox. So chickenpox can reactivate as shingles. Uh, again, without vaccination, you've got a one in three chance. It's The new vaccine is called Shingrix. It's two doses after age 50, and it's two to six months in between those, and it cuts your risk by 90%. So instead of a one in three chance of getting it, you have a one in 30 chance now if you get both of those immunizations. Um, tetanus recommendation is still out there for an every 10-year shot. 
um, tetanus now is combined with whooping cough as it's TDAP. The recommendation in adults that in women that are pregnant is to get one with each pregnancy. And then the other part of that is everybody who's going to have contact with the baby also should be updated if they're not already up to date. Um, then after that one, the routine is going back to the every 10 years, and that can be either the plain tetanus shot or the tetanus with whooping cough again after that. HPV immunization is important. Its recommendation is now for anyone up to 26 years old for males and females. For females, it's been shown to markedly decrease your chances of getting cervical cancer. For males, um, it markedly decreases the chance of genital warts and certain other cancers, um, but it's routinely up to 26 years old. Then from 27 to 45, it's listed as optional. So that's another discussion to have with your physician as to whether they feel it, it's a reasonable vaccine to get. Hepatitis A immunization is another one, which pretty much now is available to anybody who wants it. Um, it's a two-shot series. It's a baseline, and then six months later, you get a second one. If you look in the news now, you'll see more and more things about hepatitis A outbreaks. It used to be very rare that we would see this. Yeah. Now it's becoming more and more common, so it's a bigger issue. Um, and the routine is certainly, again, for anybody who wants it, but especially if you have chronic liver disease um, or other high-risk conditions. And then there's hepatitis B immunization. Again, this one was a recent change. This used to be only for certain adult populations. Now that was changed very recently to anybody between 19 and 59 years old, and then those with special circumstances after age 60. So that's kind of a quick rundown. There are certainly other ones out there, but they're more geared to specific populations. Yeah, that's an amazing list. And some of the statistics on how prevalent you can get those um, diseases, that's that's quite a, a eye-opener. So thanks well, for sharing all that information. And especially with shingles, if you know oh. anybody who has gotten shingles, mm -hmm. you're going to go and get that vaccine because you realize and you understand the devastation that it can take uh, on your health. Um, that pain that you get with that can be very, very difficult to control. And I've seen people, you know, who have described their life as being ruined because of ongoing pain from shingles long after the rash has gone away. So, you know, people don't always think about it in those terms, but it can be devastating. And we've got a very, very good way to cut your risk significantly. So to not take advantage of that, uh, to me, doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I agree. Wow. So you've named a bunch of vaccinations, and sometimes when we're getting ready to travel, we're recommended a series of vaccinations. Can you take more than one together? Like, is that okay? Yes, in, in you certainly can. In general, the, the guideline says not to do more than one live vaccine. So some vaccines have no live virus in it whatsoever. Some have live but weakened virus in it. So you generally don't do more than one live vaccine at a time. And the big ones for those now are, are measles, mumps, rubella, varicella, uh, or the childhood chickenpox vaccine, and nasal flu spray has live but weakened virus. So with those, there are certain medical conditions you don't use them with. And in general, you're not going to do two of those together. But otherwise, it's fine to do more than one at a time. 
Okay. So you mentioned also some of those are one and two series. What if I started down a path and had a vaccination, but then I forgot to get my second one? Do I have to start all over? You do not. And we, and we see that quite frequently. Um, you don't have to restart a vaccine series uh, if you fall behind on one. You just continue where you left off. That's good to know. And what about where I get my vaccination? Do I have to just see my PCP or are there other options? You don't. Again, I look at that PCP visit as an opportunity that that we might not otherwise think about vaccines from a patient standpoint. It's an opportunity to get caught up on things that we might be a bit behind on. And if you do get it within the PCP office, they're going to have a record of that. So say you get a tetanus shot and four years down the road, you cut yourself or have some sort of an open wound and you're not quite sure of whether you're up to date or not, that's only a phone call away because that information is going to be kept and retained in that office and they'll be able to tell you. But you also can get vaccines at other places. You can get them through the health department. The pharmacies all do immunizations now. So there are a number of options available to patients as to where they might get their vaccine. This message is brought to you by AltCare. If you need to locate a provider, use our online provider directory found on our website, altcare.com. In the top right corner, find a provider. You can also call our customer service department at 330-363-6360 from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. And what about the records about my vaccinations? Does my PCP keep those? How, how do I keep those records? If you got them in the office, absolutely. We would have a record of that. Now, sometimes we get records from the pharmacy as well. So that, that sometimes happens, but I can't say that it always does. There's also a state tracking system uh, called IMPACT. So if you get vaccines elsewhere and they report to that system, I can go in that from my office and get immunization data out of that. Um, I have sometimes found that to be quite accurate and useful. And at other times I found that when, when a patient told me they had a vaccine and I went in to look for it, it just wasn't there for whatever reason. Um, but yes, in general, you're going to be able to get those records down the road when you need them. So what about the patient that is just really hesitant in their you know, apprehensive about the vaccinations. They feel like they don't need to get them because they say they never get sick. How do you, how do you address those patients? <laughs> well, I, I hear that a lot also. Um, and I kind of tell people that the idea is not to fix you after you get sick. The idea is to pre prevent you from getting sick to begin with. So the vaccines that are out there are not, not typically for obscure diseases that we don't tend to see anymore. And so the risk is there. If we've already waited until you're sick, we've missed our opportunity to prevent a problem. And the whole idea of vaccination is to prevent problems before they occur. That, that's an excellent answer. And it kind of leads me to my next question because uh, with social media, friends and family, there seems to be a lot of misinformation out there. And do you have any helpful hints on how we can kind of self-advocate as a consumer and address those when they come up? I would say talk to and trust what your physician tells you, because you're right. There is a lot of information out there that is unsubstantiated, um, that perhaps has a different agenda in mind. And your physician ultimately is the one that you should turn to 
to look out for your best interests. So our job is to kind of wade through that information and look at the data and assess the quality of the data and then put into practice the recommendations that are made based on that. And we tend to be able to filter out a lot of that background noise that may be confusing or concerning for patients. We've heard so many things about vaccinations recently. Um, the booster, is that something new? Is that something that we've always had? What are you know the boosters it, there for? Certain boosters have been there for, for as long as I can remember. Like tetanus has always been, you get a 10-year booster because we have found that immunity will wane over time. Um, some newer vaccines, we don't know yet. So what will happen is, is when a vaccine comes out, there's a recommendation to do one thing. And then as time goes by, we may see the people that got that original vaccine five or eight or 10 or 15 years down the road might start showing up with illness again, which kind of lets us know that immunity has declined and that there's a reason to get a booster. Other things don't show that. So it really is a vaccine by vaccine type decision based on the data that shows up by following people that have been immunized and seeing how long that immunity persists. You mentioned earlier the flu vaccination and the recommendations of when to get it. So are the timing of vaccinations um, very important? Too early to get one or not? For seasonal things like flu, you know, sometimes. Now, I always tell people the most important thing is to get the vaccine. Um, the timing is, is a little bit secondary, but first and foremost, get the vaccine. So if I've got somebody in the office in August and I don't know that I'm going to necessarily have an opportunity to see them back and immunize them again, we'll go ahead and do that. If I know they're going to be back, then I might wait a little bit longer. But typically, Immunity from the flu vaccine is going to carry you through the flu season as long as you, you know, as long as you get it anywhere between August and the end of October. I probably would not do July if you if you have the opportunity to to put it off until a little bit later. That makes sense, especially like you said, seasonal seasonal diseases. What happens if you don't get vaccinated? Some of these were considered childhood diseases. And as an adult, you know, what happens if you just didn't get a vaccination? Well, certainly risk could be a little bit higher. Um, the other thing that we see, though, is what's called herd immunity, where enough of the community gets vaccinated mm -hmm. that you don't tend to see uh, disease spread because of what everybody else around you has done. So your risk is always least if you're the one vaccinated, but if you're in a room of 10 people and nine of them have been vaccinated, odds are they're not going to spread it to you. I see. That makes sense. And we've heard that term, herd immunity. So that's familiar right. for all, all the vaccinations. What happens if you have um, grown up in a home that you didn't receive childhood vaccinations? What's the path that you would need to take to get caught up on everything? There is a catch-up schedule that's published every year by the CDC, and I know I get a mailing of that every year, and I would I would assume that most physicians do, and if not, it's, it's available online. So when I see somebody who's behind, I pull out my handy sheet that lists the catch-up schedule, and it shows which vaccines you're due for, 
when you're supposed to do that and if there are additional shots when you can return for that. So that's another another one of those talk to your physician about it because they will have the schedule for you. Well, you've shared great resources that I will absolutely post in our show notes. And I really appreciate your time and sharing your information about adult immunizations. And I really think if anybody has a specific question, they can send it to us at whereyoumatter at altcare.com. And I can you know, forward that onto our team. And again, thank you, Dr. Winslow, for uh, taking a moment out of your day to talk to us. You're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Take care and congratulations again. Thank you very much. Thank you.